0: Welcome to an Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy and healthy life. Not as disabled people, but as people with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of an Apple a Day. I'm your host Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent! You can't ask for better than that. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. So if you get a minute, check it out. While you're tripping around the web, make sure you stop by our Group page on Facebook. You can get there by going to www.famousapple.com forward slash group. That's G R O U P. Hey, we have got a good one for you today. Our guest is James Perdue. He's the professor of perseverance. Before I introduce you to him, I want to let David tell you a little bit about him. So sit back for a second, relax, and listen to what David has to say. Who is James Perdue, a.k.a. the Professor of Perseverance? James became a quadriplegic, dislocating three vertebrae in his neck from playing a football game. The doctor said, James, I'm sorry. You'll never walk again and you might be paralyzed from your neck down. Later, the doctor advised his family to place him in a nursing home. He would be too much of a burden for them to take care of. Dr. James Purdue professor of perseverance, worked hard to achieve success as an award-winning educator and coaching a state championship team. As a motivational, inspirational speaker, best-selling author, a podcaster and life coach, James helps people get out of their past, step into their present, and persevere to their future. And now, back to Jimmy. Thanks, Dave. Let me tell you something. That was a short and sweet description, but This gentleman is something else. You're gonna really enjoy this interview. He's personable, he's funny, he's down to earth. He's one of a kind, James Perdue. Now, I'm not gonna add any more fluff to this. I want you to sit back, relax, and let me introduce you to the Professor of Perseverance, my friend, James Perdue. As I told you, I have with us the professor of perseverance, Doctor
1: James Purdue. How are you today, James? Hey, I'm doing great, Jimmy. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast.
0: Well, I, I definitely appreciate you being here, a, a doctor. We have a doctor in the house.
1: <laughs> yeah, I tell people don't uh, don't take that doctor way out of the out of proportion here. Uh, I can't write out a prescription, but I can drive you to your pharmacies and pick them up for you if you need me to. <laughs> well, you can't write it out. Well, get out of here then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How you doing today?
1: We're doing well. We're blessed and just having a good old day today.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad. Well, you, you're down there in Tennessee, right? Nice weather. Right
1: outside of Nashville. Right outside of Nashville. I, right
0: outside, and <laughs> you have nice weather going on. I'm up, I'm up here in New York, and we have snow, believe it or not.
1: Ugh. Yeah, we we just got some cold air. We don't we we rare we we our our snow usually comes mid January into February. After that, we're not we don't get much snow.
0: What do you consider cold air?
1: Well, for us, really anything under. Thirty, under uh, thirty, under code. Well, to us, that's freezing code. Uh, to cold code, uh, thirty-five to forty. Yeah, we're 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 freaking out.
0: <laughs> well, last night it was it was twenty-six degrees here. Hey, right now, it's, yeah, it, it's a balmy thirty-seven
1: <laughs> this afternoon. Well, I'm about yeah. It, it wouldn't do me good to be there.
0: It's not doing me any good to be here either, to be honest. <laughs> I hear you. So, James, let's hear your story. What's your story?
1: Well, I was, grew up uh, playing baseball at a young age. My grandfather and my mother and brothers, we played, you know, baseball. And I wanted to grow up to be that professional athlete. And mm-hmm. so I um, uh, ended up getting a college scholarship and got to play one college game. And the very next day, there were uh, people on the campus, college campus playing football game. It was a pickup game. We No pads, no helmet, but we were playing tackle. And uh, I scored a touchdown on one play, and I put the ball down. And, of course, when you score a touchdown and you put the ball down, the play's over. And one guy, he continued playing and hit me and tackled me. Uh, after the play, and uh, then uh, uh, broke my neck. I was instantly paralyzed. Whoa. I knew it as soon. I tried to get up three times, and uh, realized then that uh, yeah, this is not a good not a good situation we're in. Holy smokes! You, one shot
0: and you are paralyzed.
1: Yeah, I heard of uh, saw something in my right peripheral vision, my right side. I don't know what it was. I just saw something, and then I felt contact about shoulder high on my right side and i heard a loud pop and uh, went to the ground and he got up I tried didn't get up again like i said tried three times and didn't get up and yeah I was paralyzed instantly uh, the th- the loud pop uh couldn't find out three vertebrates were uh, broken in my neck oh
0: my god how big was this
1: guy well, I mean well, i seriously think, well, I was I was an athlete and i weighed like was about 205 maybe. And this guy may have been 180, 190. Um, I remember asking the physical therapists and doctors one time about uh, breaking a neck. And uh, they said it only takes five to seven pounds of pressure to break a neck, five to seven pounds of pressure. And they said uh, with my weight and the guy's weight, and the force of the hit and the gravity pulling all of us down, there's probably 800 to 1,000 pounds of pressure that landed on my head and neck. And they just felt that I was just very lucky to be alive at that point.
0: My God. Now, uh, this may be a foolish question. Did you ever see this guy again?
1: I, I didn't see him, but I think he came to the hospital once to visit. And the only reason I think it's him. Uh, I was on what's called a striker frame. They had these screws in my head uh with a like a horseshoe right and screwed it in my head and had a string a rope tied off of it and hanging weights off of it, stretching my neck, trying to get the vertebrae back in place and uh on this so they have it on striker frame, they would turn so every hour I would lay on my stomach, then they turn the thing over then for two hours, I'm staring at the ceiling. So every two and one hour, they're being turned. So one time I was being, I was turned, I was facing the floor and two guys came in and visit and they're talking with me and I'm talking and I don't remember their names or anything, but we were talking. And the only reason I think it was, he, it was him was because when they left, I heard the door shut, but then I heard it open up again and I heard someone say, I'm sorry, man. And then shut the door. So I'm assuming that was him, but I don't know for sure.
0: And that's it? You never heard from him
1: again? No, never heard from him ever uh, since then. Wow. I'm the type, I would have been going, I would have felt real guilty, you know, and I would have been doing, what can I do to help you and, you know, stuff like that. I felt
0: guilty. I would have been building you a house.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would have been trying to help, see what I can do. Uh, Yeah, he... That's the only time that I, that I think he came. And he may not have been him. I don't know, but I'm just guessing. And, um, yeah, but never heard anything, never got a letter, uh, nothing like that from him, yeah. Holy oh
0: Whoa. Like I said, if if that was me and I did that to another, how do you even sleep at night knowing that you did that to another person? I mean, I know. All right. Given the devil its it was an accident. I hope. I don't think he did it on purpose. But still, I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I did this to another person without some sort of contact. I
1: don't yeah, know. I don't. I don't think he did it on purpose. But yep, yeah, we're all different in ways, I guess. But uh, I'm like you. I, I would have been. I would have been more involved until he told me to right. stay away. Right. Exactly.
0: I, I would have been there. Every every day until you said, "Look, Jim, get out of here."
1: Yeah, Look. and um, the I don't know the weird part as I got older and everything like that, and we get older and somewhat wiser, hopefully in life. And uh, I'm one of them that um I hope he's had a good life. I don't I don't hurt any I don't hold any grudge. I don't. Uh, yeah, I hope he's had a good life and everything. Right, but, uh, done great, and yeah, I don't have no ill will towards him and. You know, and life turned out better for me than we all expected, and so...
0: Yeah, well, I, I was reading your story. I, the doctors are tell, telling your family that they should have put you in a nursing home,
1: and... that Yeah, at age of 19, yeah, the they, they told them that I'd be too much of a burden for them to provide care for, and needed at the age of 19 to put me in a nursing home, and... Thankfully, my family was as hard-headed as me and didn't do it, and we decided to take the the rough road ahead oh. and so we, we we've all done well
0: thank god I, I mean I, I got to give kudos to your family and i'm sure i'm I'm sure it was a rough road, but I'm sure you also made it easy because you have such a positive attitude you weren't you weren't laying around I'm sure like a like a like a rock.
1: Well and, and don't want to make it sound, you know, to your listeners that it was all a uh, big old bag of apples right there, <laughs> a bag of apples. And uh, you know, we we had our days where we didn't like each other and there's days that um that uh you know, wishful thinking that things could be different and that when those times came, thankfully, like you said, I, I wanna get up and do something with my life the best I can. And so there was a couple of times where I knew I needed to get out of the house away from them. And I would go to a rehab in Miami, Florida for three months to give them a three-month break, or four-month break. Or I went to a boat rehab in Tennessee and moved over there for six months to give them six months without me and without them having to do anything. And so fortunately, you know, with the desire of wanting to still maintain the life best possible, you know, we, I was able to do that and, and uh, it' helped, you know helped all of us that we all had time to to get away from each other and vent and get some frustration out and and then come back uh, if, you know months later everything's okay. Sure,
0: sure. And you know what my audience realizes this because uh, a lot of a, a lot of them, myself included, are in the same position. we've We've gone through this. you know, but there's us also other people that their families just said, you know what? Shove them off, you know. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully, your your family is a stand up family, and you're very lucky. You know. Yes.
1: Uh, I met two other people that when, when one of them I was down in Miami in that research down there, my uh, Miami project, and met this guy from Connecticut, and he, uh, when our time was over from the research that we participated in he said he had to go back and he would be going back to a nursing home and I go nursing home like that. And he said, yeah, his mom and dad, they didn't want to deal with all of it. And so they yeah put him in a nursing home. And yeah. so his, his three or four months of that research was probably his best time in a while. Sure. It was. And, 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 you know, thinking about going back to that. And then when I got into teaching, I was doing my student teaching and met a, a student there But I had met her uncle at a rehab uh, where I went to did that vocational training. And uh, she was telling me that he was in a nursing home. uh, And we had met at that rehab years earlier. So
0: let me tell you, I, I know after one of my strokes, I had to stay in a nursing home. And it was only for a little bit more than a month for rehab. And I would not, not want to live in a nursing home. I'll be honest with you.
1: I mean, if you- no, I, it's, no, it's not on, not definitely top of my priorities either. Because I, mean, um, I remember when I was 12, 14, 15, 16 years old, visiting my grandfather who was in a nursing home. He was there for like 10, 12 years before he finally passed away. Uh, and we were young, visiting him. And, you know, the smell, the I mean, it smelled like crap and death
0: yeah,
1: in, in places. And, and I'm thinking, at the age of 19, that I'll be, you know, in that facility when they were talking at, And no, I'm, I'm glad, glad it, uh, that uh, God put me with a family that, uh, that would fight and struggle with me. Thank
0: God. Thank God. You're very, very fortunate. Very fortunate. Now, I was just going to say, but I think you just answered it. How do you stay positive? <laughs> how,
1: how do you stay positive, James? I was not I think a lot of this goes back to uh being an athlete uh, growing up. I I was one of them that uh, felt invincible, you know, that everything was mine, everything I went after was going to be what I wanted. And I think it, it's, that invincibility has carried over into this life that uh, again, I can either whine and cry and complain and and expect everything given and done for me or I could take the hard route, do the best I can, have the best life possible. I I was One day I was uh, going to class, and it was raining. I drove to the school, uh, the college, and it was raining. So I'm getting my wheelchair out of my car, putting it back together in the rain. I see the class I was at, people were standing at the window watching me. (laughs) Uh, No one came out to offer to help, but uh, they were watching. And so when I finally get in, I'm wet. And one one student, uh, former student, uh, fellow student, said, man, I just couldn't do it. I said, couldn't do what? He said, I just couldn't do what you do uh, out there like that. And I said, well, man, we have two choices in life. One, we can lay in bed and do nothing and be watered and fed like a vegetable, uh, watch the TV that uh, whoever is with you. Uh, watch their TV shows because they're controlling the remote. I said, or you can take the hard route and do the best you can and go from there. So, <laughs> but yeah, he says, Oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, well, I said, well, maybe you don't know you're not putting this situation. I said, you may be going through something that I'm going. I, maybe I couldn't do it.
0: You know, yeah, it's funny because you don't know what you can do until you have to do it.
1: Amen. I, I'm a big believer that sometimes we go through our crap. Sometimes we go through our trials and tribulation, and it's to prove to us how strong we really are. You got because it. Because we forget, we forget or we just didn't know. You know, you t-
0: absolutely, absolutely. You know, you can sit there and say, "I could never do that." You know what? I'm a diabetic, and I used to swear that if I ever had to give myself a shot. I'm going to die from diabetes because I hate needles. Now, mind Mm -hmm. you, if you ever looked at me, I have tattoos. I have tattoos Mm -hmm. because the guys who gave me the tattoos that I got them from were in the Hell's Angels. Now, Uh mind you, I went there voluntarily and got them. People say, how can you have tattoos, but you're afraid of needles? Well, I went with my friends to a tattoo shop and I wasn't going to cry in front of my friends. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and the guys that were giving me the tattoo, the guy, the one guy who was giving me the tattoos, his name was Shorty. And he stood about eight feet tall and weighed about 500 pounds, and he had a sword on the side of his pants, and his jacket says, The Hells Angels, New York. <laughs> and I wasn't going to cry in front of him. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I wanted to, but... <laughs> but he did the tattoo. And yeah. but when I went to go get married in New York at the time, you had to give blood. You had to, they had to take blood and do a blood test. And they took two vials of blood. Me being me and afraid of needles, they took the blood. Mm-hmm. They took the first vial and they were getting ready to do the second vial. I said you got you got to stop. I had to go outside and get air. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but You find out how strong you are when you when you have to do it. Now I I give myself shots, my wife gives me shots, I check my blood sugar I don't know, eight times a day and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have to do it, you have to do it. It's funny though. Like I said, you don't know how strong you are until you have to do something. And that's you. And I'm sure that that student,
1: if he had to do it, he would do it. Now Yeah, and then again, I told him said I told the guy, I said, you know, for example, uh at that time I said, I've never been through cancer. I don't know if I could deal with that, you know, where this I know I can do. I said, So, you know, whatever you may be going through, I may not be able to feel like I could deal with it. But again, if we're put in a situation, it's the old uh fighter fight or flight mm-hmm. that takes over. Let me tell you something. Just by
0: just by meeting you. I can guarantee you. All right, and don't, don't get me wrong. I hope a thousand times over this never comes true. But if you had to deal with cancer, you deal
1: with cancer. I guarantee it. Well, I'm going to tell you that I'm um, about six or seven years ago and I uh, got a book about it, cancer, that I was told I had colon cancer. Whoa. And uh, I did the old uh, did the old thing uh, where they mail it to you. Mm-hmm. And you take care of business and you mail it back to them. I forgot the name of the thing. Yeah. But... Uh, and melt it and then come back positive. And so then, because of that, uh, my doctor, we talked and they, they told me, said, well, so with, with you, what we could tell now, we just go in and remove the section and sew it all back up. You'd be good. You wouldn't have to do any treatments. So I said, oh, okay, cool. Let's go. Because my, my, my mom, I watched her go uh-huh. through her cancer and taking, uh, she had lung cancer and then taking all them treatments and everything. And so uh, um, I said, all right, cool. So they had to go in and actually really do the clean out so they can go find what's going on. And then when it got in, it said, there was no cancer at all. There was a false positive from the thing. And I ended up writing a book about that situation. And what I did is I took, I, I made it like a journal. Yeah. It, it would say, we would say like at the beginning, uh, week one, day one, September 29th right. and whatever, information I got that day I wrote it down in week one day two September 30th whatever happened that day I wrote it down and it's a six weeks of going from being told you got the cancer to find out the end that there was no cancer at all it was a false positive and so it's but yeah I got to wrote a book about that uh, thing it's called cancer a story of blessing hope and strength
0: <laughs> and I'd head into it <laughs> an alcoholic <laughs> An alcoholic trip, because if someone if someone did that to me, I think I oh I don't know that that that's unnerving. That's unnerving. I mean, I'd celebrate at the end, but oof. Mm. Uh,
1: Yeah, the bad thing about um this, Cola Guard, that's what it is. Cola Guard, I'm I'm, I'm giving you a bad rep. Cola Guard, y'all deserve it. Uh, (laughs) But um, my doctor, he said the reason doing, he says because it takes the DNA. He said, it's 99.99% accurate. I said, all right, we did it. And that's when he calls me and tells me positive. So then I went and got a CT scan uh, to do further testing. It came back showing something was up. So then, all right, so my doctor said the color is 99.99% accurate. So then I met with the doctor before we get ready to go into the hospital. He says, oh, man, he says, when we get done, we're like, we find that cold is like 75% accurate. Whoa. So we dropped from 99 to 75% talking to a different doctor. And then when they go in and they put the camera up to check me out, right before then, they asked, well, how did I get there? And I told them about the guard. He said, oh, as many as we've seen this guard, it's like 50-50. So we went <laughs> from 99 down to 50%. And I'm going, there's no way they ought to be selling that For a for a coin toss, really, really. So, and uh, and there's people that are truly got cancer. Yeah, I understand that, but for a scare for me, it's not worth a coin flip.
0: No, not at all. Jesus. Well i I hope you got the I hope you got the movie. (laughs) The the video of them going up your colon. You could put it on.
1: Oh, I asked. I, I even I didn't. I didn't get the video. I wish they would uh, uh, offer. I didn't think about it. asking my video, but I asked, would I stay awake and can I watch it on screen? Because I've seen uh, other people that were doing that, and I said I like to see it. And then they told me. He says, uh, well, we we don't really do that anymore. He said because people slow us down by going. What's that? What's that? What's that? Never mind we could that. Either, we just slow down and so they don't do that anymore. Uh, at least this place didn't do it anymore. I don't know about anywhere else. You should
0: so have got uh, a you should have got a copy of it and put it on TikTok. You could have made a fortune. Oh, there
1: you <laughs> go. Okay. That's it. Yeah. So maybe the next time we get uh we go for the um colonoscopy. And uh, we'll ask for a video. Get the
0: video. Put a little music behind it. (laughs) That's right. Put it on YouTube. You're Michael Kellen. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, Now, here's another thing for you. And (laughs) I think I'm answering my own questions before I even ask them. But how did you get the name Professor of Perseverance?
1: My man, John Bentley. Hey, John, to give me your story again here, buddy. <laughs> we met in the uh, Speakers Association. We were both wanting to become, you know, motivational, inspirational, public speakers and uh-huh. uh, professional speakers. And we were in the same organization, same club. And one day uh, we met because we'd meet uh, once a month. And we met. And all of a sudden, one day, John was sitting behind me. I heard someone going, Professor of Perseverance. I'm just looking forward not paying any attention professor of perseverance i'm just looking forward and finally goes james i turned around hey john how's it going man he said man you're the professor of perseverance i said huh he said well you got a doctoral degree i said yeah he said all right you're a professor he said you want to talk about perseverance yeah you're the professor of perseverance so
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: how i got it from john <laughs> bitley i told him i was going to steal that and tag it forever now and thanked him for the uh for the lead. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you, John Bentley. Yeah. Oh, another little funny story along with that. Years later, we got a Popeye's chicken restaurant in our town. Uh And one day, you know, it's getting not dark, dark, but it's, it's getting, getting there. And so I I drove by the restaurant. I looked over and the Popeye's name that's lit up on the building. the, The P O P was lit up. But the word eyes, eyes wasn't. So it's P-O-P, bright, that's it. And I pulled over, took a picture of it, and then I said, look, even Popeye's Chicken is advertising for the Professor of Perseverance. Very good. (laughs) So I need to to send that uh, picture to the head organization to see if I can get some advertisement or something for that. There you go. There you go.
0: All right, so as long as we're on the name, we're dropping names. We got John Bentley. So who's Ricardo?
1: Ricardo, he's my main man. He's my, what do people say? The yin and yang. He's the, we're the salt and pepper. He's a black lab. And uh, he's my service dog.
0: Okay. I got
1: him, he's 14 years old. I got him 12 years ago. Excellent. And he, he's been the, my first service dog ever, I couldn't ask for a better one. Really? So he's, he's been great. So. Excellent. Excellent.
0: You've had him for what? For 12 years?
1: I've had him now for 12 years. Yeah. God bless. I, I, he, I love labs. Yeah. These beautiful, them old hips are catching up with him. You know, how them lab, yep. uh, hip the dysphalation and all that, uh, they're catching up with him. But, uh, other than that, he's doing pretty good still at fourteen.
0: Very good, very good. Now, this may sound, and I, I don't know, I, I, I can't see this being a positive question for you, but did you ever feel like giving up?
1: Oh yeah, the uh, I tell people they, you know, they talk to me like like we're talking right now, and you know, I'm, I'm the happy-go-looking. I mean, I'm, we're like we're all the same. Mm-hmm. We're on cloud nine at one point. And then we're down in the valley the next day. Who knows? You know what life's going to throw at us. Right. And so you know, you know, people that are listening, be sure to understand. I'm not like this happy-go-lucky, you know, positive all that. I have my days. I'm just blessed. I have more of the good days than the bad days. And the first five years, I hid my depression of my you know, from being paralyzed, and I tried to do the old fake face be smiling and positive, you know, because I don't want my family to worry about me. Right. And uh, we went to 18 different rehabs in the first five years trying to find that cure to walking in. And I finally, after the 18th one, I said, you know, for me to have a life, I need to start concentrating more on living in a wheelchair than just being in a chair. And uh, that's when I realized how depressed I was when I finally got out of it. And um, and also, yeah, you know, probably about well before I got Ricardo 12 years ago, 14 years ago, I had actually attempted suicide three wow. times in three years, uh, three times, three years, three times in three days. Three That's th- how bad I wanted three times in three days. Yeah, the first day took uh, two boxes of Sudafed because it said, you know, supposed to uh, cause drowsiness and don't operate uh, heavy machinery, drive a vehicle. And so, 24 is in a 24 tablets are in a box. So I had two boxes, 48 pills. I took in three minutes, oh, and all well, it did was give me a headache. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't I'm, fall asleep. I'm not, I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine because uh, when I wrote my first book, One More Play, chapters 13 and 12, 13 I think are are about the suicide attempt, and uh, yeah. Uh, then the very next day was Super Bowl Sunday, and I called, I called uh, a pharmacy, and told them, it says, um, "Hey, I'm having insomnia, can't sleep. What do you recommend?" They said Benadryl, and all I had was six dollars, so I bought one box of Benadryl. And the Super Bowl going on that day was the undefeated Patriots playing the Giant,
0: yeah.
1: and took those twenty four pills and. And fell asleep and woke up with the Giants uh, celebrating the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I so, yeah, it took 24. So, you know, I tell you, you got all these pills, you know, from the day before and that day still didn't kill me. So the third day I got in my van, because I was school teaching then and coaching, and I took a leave of absence. And so... um and that weekend I called at the school to several teachers left on their voicemail, thanking them for being friends with me, for helping me, for being so positive with me, just, you know, take care of me. And next thing I knew, six o'clock in the morning, I'm getting these phone calls because teachers is showing up, getting these messages now. And I'm getting all these phone calls. Now I'm having to tell them, oh, y'all just worrying too much. Y'all taking them. I'm just thanking you for your friendship. And so, um, after I got off the phone with them, I get in my van and my in my garage and turn it on and I'd get out of my wheelchair and lay on the floor. Uh that way if I started feeling bad I wouldn't leave. And um someone found me hours later, said I wasn't breathing, and um they called nine one one and got me to a hyperbaric chamber for about four hours, a hyperbaric chamber, and then was in the hospital for like seven or eight weeks. Wow. So
0: Well, thank God it didn't work.
1: Well, and um, I jokingly, I tell people, because now when I tell them a story, you know, it's everybody's so intense because of this. And so I tried to try to lighten the mood. I'll go, you know, you live through a suicide attempt. They make you see a psychologist. (laughs) They make (laughs) you see a psychiatrist if you live like that. So I'm trying to lighten the mood. mood But he's the one who told me that obviously God didn't want me right now. It wasn't time to go. I got things I got to get done here. And um, he's one that um, said I need to get into uh, public speaking, tell my story, get it out there, write a book. And yeah, he's the one that, that, that uh, uh, encouraged me to do all that.
0: Well, I, I'm a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer that that's true. That if if we were meant to go, we would've went when the accidents happened. Yes. There's a reason that we're still here, and like you said, you're here because you have a you have a story to tell. Your story, even if it even if it saves one other person, is a success. Yes. Th- that's the way I feel about my story. If it saves one other person, it's a success, and I did what I was supposed to do by being here still. In the that's right. with You so. Keep telling your story. Now, I got so, another question.
1: Preach it out there, brother. What's that? Preach it, brother. Yeah, definitely. Now, I got another question I'm, for I'm you. I'm a firm believer that uh, everybody ought to write a book. It doesn't have to be a self-help. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, a number one bestseller. But but everybody should write it just to tell their life story. That way, when they're dead and gone and their great, 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 great grandbaby gets to read about how you were, and they can learn how they have that same characteristics in them is because of their great-great-great-granddaddy. Exactly. You know, whatever. Exactly. And they they go, um, because a small uh, uh, example of that is my brother and I, we're both left-handed. And my mom and dad are both right-handed. Their mom and dads are, both of them are right-handed. But then my mom said her great-grandmother was left-handed hmm. so we go back to it'd be my great-great grandmother Her left-handed gene came all the way down for me and my brother to get it it's, it's, so, ama- it's so amazing it's amazing it's like this, you know it's yeah, stories like get for the kids to realize well that's why that's how I got the red hair is from yeah well, so they take like
0: that ans- ancestry.com you ever, mm-hmm. you ever you ever look into that and I know somebody that did that just recently, and it's amazing the things you can find out when you go looking back at your ancestors. It, it, it to me that I find that I find that very interesting.
1: I haven't looked into that. I, I mean, I think it's interesting, but I, I just haven't dove into that yet.
0: Well, I think it's interesting. I just don't want to
1: pay for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just think, it. I do, I find it interesting when you when you actually go back and look, like you said, you, you like about the left-handed and the right-handed, you know, little things like that, little nuances like that, it, I find that just interesting, very interesting.
1: So, yeah, you know, also, you know, my mom told me that uh, my grandfather, her dad, he quit school, like in the third or fourth grade at that time to go try to help do anything can, anything he can to have raised money, you know, for their family, mm-hmm. you know, to go to work. And he ended up being an op- entrepreneur, you know, his own laundromat, had right. three of them and run his own business, you know, with a third grade education because he got out early to learn how to do that stuff.
0: Right. He, he instead of book, instead of book smarts, he had, you know, life, life education.
1: Yes, yeah, right. And so, you know, with him doing that, I think trickle down into my my DNA as well, you know, for me to be able to fight, to do whatever I need to do to survive, you know, which was he, what he was doing. hmm
0: exactly. Now, I do have this this I'm I'm really curious about. What are your three Ps for success?
1: Three Ps for success is, um, of course, perseverance, Naturally. And then I believe, you know, if we, we've got to be able to take that one step forward. Uh, I don't care if you're moving at a snail's pace. As long as you're going forward, you don't have to be fast about it. Mm-hmm. And then another P, I believe, is uh, partners. we got to have a bunch of people in our lives to help us succeed. You know, friends, your family, spouses, maybe children. But there could be people to come into your life. To Help you succeed, and the third one is uh, believe in you know, prayer and that'll take care of a lot of things. You bet, you bet,
0: excellent. And one more thing, one more thing, give a positive power statement for the people that are struggling.
1: Yeah, my, my thing would be everybody needs to learn to sing the ABC. Now, just like Michael Jackson, all he sang was ABC, don't go all the way to Z, <laughs> ABC, ABC, just sing the ABC. And then what I tell people then is A stands for the sooner you can accept accept your adversity, the sooner you can start healing. You know, it took me five years to finally accept it and move on. So the sooner you can accept your adversity, you can start your healing. Then B, for A, B, C, B, it's begin battling. What do we do to begin the battle? Now we use our fingertips. And get on the Internet. We find someone, some organization, Facebook groups, a coach, a mentor, people that's been through what you're going through and learn from them how they got through it. And then see we're going to conquer the challenge. You're going to take A and B together and put it together and then go conquer it and have the best life possible. Excellent.
0: Excellent. 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 James, you are
1: amazing. Now, you got some books out there. Let's hear yeah, my... just go. Yeah, just go to uh, Amazon, and you can look up a uh, Dr. James Purdue, and Purdue is P-E-R-D-U-E, and uh, you probably find it as Professor of Perseverance. And but uh, yeah, you can find books and my on my author page, and I'll send you the link as well to make it easier for people to click on. Well, definitely, we'll put the link in the show notes here. But what are the name? What are the names of the books that you have out there? Oh, I got like ten of them. Five of them, I got little children's books about my service dog. He goes in and uh, helps other people. We talk, we talk about basically different dis- uh, advanced, uh, disabilities, whatever. Uh, for example, one of his books, we were at uh, Walmart and a woman come up with her son in the buggy and says, "Can my son pet your dog?" So that's the name of the book. Can my son pet your dog? And I said, "Yeah, go ahead." And I got Ricardo to get up, up in my lap so the boy can reach him from the buggy. He's petting Ricardo. And all of a sudden, he points and says, dog. I said, yeah, buddy, he's a dog. That's right. And then I look over and mother was crying. And I put Ricardo down and says, I'm sorry. I don't know what he did to get you crying. But I apologize. She says, no, no, it's not y'all. She says, my son is autistic. And that's the first word I've ever heard him say. And the boy had to be been like four years old. Get out of here. And so we made a book on that little one. And we talked about autism uh, at the last of the book. Uh, there's another one. He goes to uh, an assisted living uh, home. And he's playing volleyball with the assisted living people. And uh, on the treadmill walking with them. And going to the dance thing and dancing. And... Um, there's another one where, actually, this is a true story that, uh, I met a, a woman and told me their son at age 16 died of cancer. Uh, uh, he lived hunting. So I took her story basically. And Ricardo would go visit this boy in the hospital with the cancer, uh, except in our book, the boy lived. So, I, cause I didn't want kids to read this and read right. that outcome of death. And so he lives in this one. And Ricardo and him, they go hunting together. So, plus, he got his own Christmas book. He gets to have Santa Claus and Rudolph pass out gifts in the house. Uh, But the other books I got is uh, One More Play, and then um, The Cancer Book, and then uh, uh, another one's called Your Past Doesn't Have a Future, But You Do, Create Your Future Today. And then another one's Persevere Past Your Paralysis. Excellent.
0: Well, Like I said, we're going to put all of this in the show notes, and you'll find out where you can check out James's books. And I'm going to tell you right now, you've just heard James speaking, and I'm sure his books are just as good as his his speaking persona here. So get his books. Check out his books. They'll probably make great Christmas gifts, stocking stuffers. It's the time of the year. That's right. Check out his books. (laughs) So, James, I want to thank you for being here today.
1: I've had I'm really appreciate you again for the opportunity. And man, I'm going to get up. Uh, we're going to get together so I can get you on my podcast. Definitely, without a doubt.
0: Well, it took a long time for us to get together here.
1: It did, <laughs> it, it did. But I'm um, glad it worked out. So am I.
0: So so am I. It was definitely well worth the wait here. But I want to really thank you for being here today, and I, I'd love to have you on again. To be honest with you, we'll follow up on this.
1: Oh yes, sir. We'll 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 work this out. We'll get it taken care of.
0: Definitely. But thanks again for being here, and we'll talk again. Have a
1: have a great. Right, thank you, listeners. you will hang in there, like uh, like they say in the south, listeners. Y'all hang in like a hair in a biscuit. <laughs> there you go. There you go.
0: Have a great Thanksgiving, you and your family.
1: All right. Thank you. You do the same. Thank you, sir.
0: I'd like to thank James for being on the podcast today. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I want to remind you, things can always be worse, my friends. That's right. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. Hey, you've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. I want to remind you, Monday through Friday, there's a new fresh apple fritter every day for you. comes out at 4 a.m. every day, 5 to 10 minutes. It's a quick little podcast, informational little tidbits just for you every day. So make sure you check them out. Plus, check out our weekly podcast, An Apple a Day, and we look forward to talking to you again. Have a great day today, my friends. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life.
1: Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.